Okay, welcome to the Church in Your Head podcast, the podcast that helps you escape the church in your head or uh, possibly someone else's head. Uh, my name's Brandon, and uh, this is my co-host, Scott. Hello. And uh, we're excited uh, to uh, break into... Today we're going to talk about wolves, Scott. Controversial wolves. I know, it should be are interesting. They, are they controversial? I, I guess it depends who you're talking to. It seems like... Uh, you know, with if, if the church is just in your head, then it you know anybody who opposes the church in your head or you know opposes that that concept of the church in your head, uh, well, they would just be a wolf, then, right? Well, yeah, the, absolutely, absolutely. Pro- yeah. So I, mean, I think the problem with that is is that if if everybody is has the church in their head, you know, taking scripture verses, a few church fathers, maybe take a council or two here, then anybody who opposes you, well, unfortunately, that's just going to be the wolf in your head as well. So I think what we're going to try to do today is to see if we can actually identify an objective wolf, which this should be interesting. Yeah, Uh, it's definitely. And I think we we should start things off by saying that the topic of wolves or heresy, and in in particular wolves in sheep's clothing, I think it gets overlooked and it doesn't get talked about. and, And there's no due diligence on, I guess... Unfortunately, even pastors, I think it, it seems to be something that is acknowledged that there is wolves until one presses that said pastor or that person of like, OK, what does a wolf look like? They'll go to scripture. But then at that, uh, it goes back to the, them interpreting what a wolf looks like to them in the scriptures. And we have to really think about this first and foremost, like why? Why isn't this talked about more, especially and we'll get into like second Peter. We'll talk a bit about that. But the 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 high emphasis by Paul or Peter himself around how destructive these people can be and how deceptive they really are. Um, I, I, it's saddening that it isn't talked about. I think it's just a matter I guess maybe they don't want to because they realize they don't have a good answer. I, I don't know. We'll have to talk a little bit more through that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because especially when the Bible talks about they're going to be wolves in sheep's clothing. So the idea of, you know, you're kind of sizing somebody up, you're looking, you're like, eh, is that, is that a wolf? And, and can I say they are? It's like some of the stuff they teach is a little kind of off to me, but you really kind of can't put your finger on it. You're kind of like, I mean, I want to say it, but and that's the big thing is with wolves is if the church isn't just a concept in your head and the church is actually outside of us, I mean, going back to the beginning after Christ establishes his church, right? He gives the apostles authority. The apostles then go around and they lay their hands on various people. And those people are then the bishops. Um, those people uh, have authority. Those are the, the, the shepherds, essentially under, the under shepherds under the great shepherd, uh, Christ. And they're the ones who, uh, you know, they're overseeing uh, the, the flocks, you know, in their jurisdiction. And then they come together in the ecumenical councils and they basically... Uh, make sure that it, when there's uh, wolves, heretics identified that would hurt the flock, well, they basically say, yeah, no, this this is wrong. We cannot believe this. And sadly, you know, those people who, you know, are they're confronted by the bishops, by the conciliar minds of the church, they they don't repent. Some of them, they just don't. They just, they continue in their error. And what you see is like, let's just bring up Arius. Arius continued on in his errors, and people were taking the Eucharist from this guy still. And, and then and so 
now we're starting to see, okay, so we have the shepherds who Christ sets up in his church, church objectively outside of us, and you see them protecting from the wolves. And we have our first wolf, Arius. Well, one of the first wolves. There was various wolves. Yeah. But let's just use Arius. Let's pick on Arius for a little bit. Yeah, he continues in his errors, and sadly, he portrays himself to be in sheep's clothing still. He had Bible verses. He had a lot of Bible uh, verses. A lot of Bible verses, yeah, yeah. So he had the scriptures, and he also, uh, well, you know, he what, he was a priest? Oh, well, he's a priest. I mean, he has to be of God, right? All these different things that make him look like he's a sheep. But here was the question. What was the one objective factor that identified him as a wolf? It wasn't somebody just, oh, was arguing Bible verse and said, well, my verses are right over yours. No, it was the church outside of right. us that Christ established. So that's the thing. The church in your head, right? We, we can just have our own little opinions of who's a wolf, but outside of us, it becomes an objective like view now. We can see, oh, wow, that there's the wolf. So, Scotty, you want to well, comment? Well, I mean, like in, in Western Christendom, you know, we, we see everybody thinks they're a wolf. I mean, because yeah. let's look at how that how it plays itself out. You do have a disagreement over what is interpreted in Scripture, whether it's a pastor versus pastor, or even just a you know members in the in the said congregation. And what ended up happening is they split. They just start a new church. The Arius example, there there was a split. But there was obviously and clearly that it was established that there was still a one true way because, as you said, Arius just didn't repent. And so he mm -hmm. continued on. And as we'll, we'll talk more about false teachers, there are some obvious traits and, and things that you can identify um, that show the fruit or lack thereof, right, um, of these false teachers. But as of right now, it's like that's all going back to the this isn't talked about. You know, there's really no wolves conversation or false teachers conversations. They like to leave it into the well, it's just the TBNs, those you know crazy preachers, the ones that are just obvious. But now that we look at that example with Arius, they they knew objectively that there was one true way because it wasn't just one guy versus another guy. It was the consensus, the conciliar mind of the councils that determined Arius was a heretic. They they claimed him a heretic. And anybody who would go to that church, they would also say, you're living and, and submitting yourself to heresy. Now, it's the complete opposite. There's no such thing as heresy, really, because, you know, the disagreement just leads to a different church. And that, that is incredibly problematic because as we get into the, the second Peter, and when you read it, it is uh, we read it a couple of weeks ago, Brandon. Mm -hmm. it, it's just a good reminder of just how harsh and almost scary it is of what these teachers are capable of doing. And if, if they're if they're so, I don't know, manipulative to the point where they can cause you to to stray and lose your salvation, that that's incredibly scary. I mean, it's just not something that you want to mess around with. Anything else that we do in life, if it's if it's a risk of our own, you know, mortality, we're going to take it incredibly serious. We're going to talk about it. You know, we've done this through the pandemic. Everything was talked about. People got really serious about life, <laughs> so yeah. they would do everything they could to value life. But then here we are in this salvation lens and, and looking at what we're talking about now, it seems to be just kind of watered down, just like, ah, it's there, but uh, maybe we don't know, or oh, let's just go to the Bible and we'll find out what a wolf is. What if your disagreement and, and interpretation of a wolf is different? Now you're very concerned because now 
different people are coming up with their own version of what a wolf looks like. So now you've taken an right. even layered approach to that, which is again, very problematic. Yeah. And I think the big, the biggest, I guess the acid test of a wolf is when you, when you go back to the Arius, uh, you know, situation and the council of Nicaea, you know, Arius brings up that Jesus is just a, just a creature. Right. And the councils are adamant. It's like, no, he cannot just be a creature. How does, how is a creature going to save us? Right. That has to be God. Right. He must be, you know, eternally begotten of the father, uh, you know, in the same substance. And so what, what is, what is the key factor there? It, and, and you go to second Peter and it talks about scripture is not of a private interpretation. Yeah. And that is it right there. It's like you, you, you know, read the, the, the end of what is second Peter chapter one and Why don't not? just cut yeah. it off and say, Oh, well, that's it. No, no, no. Keep reading through that. Right. And, and really that's the, the really the, the, what drives the wolf, the wolf is bent on his private interpretation instead of going with the interpretation of the church who gathered those scriptures together and put the right ones in the canon, he's bent on his own interpretation and it's fueled by pride. And this is really, this is, this is essentially the recipe for a wolf. This is, this is going to be the, the key factor there is that when, when you're bringing up the church to them and you're saying, well, you know, the church decided at this council and, you know, you might hear as, as I've heard before, uh, from possibly a wolf, uh, because it seemed like they were steering me away from the church that was outside of me, steering me away from the councils, they would say, uh, oh, those are just glorified Bible studies. So they would say these statements. And it seems like if you want to escape the church in your head, it sounds like the wolves will be there to meet you. They don't want certitude or want you to have certitude. No, they want you to believe their private interpretation. It's like, why would you believe them? It's it's crazy when you say that. Like, it, why would you believe them? Like, why would you believe the church that um, you know was persecuted, the church that uh, you know establishes these doctrines that that you know most Christians believe that you know that that establishes you know the, the canon? Why would we believe them? Why wouldn't we believe me? Yeah, because what happens? <laughs> Let's believe me, and, and I want to get into a couple of these passages in Second Peter. I mean, just think about this. And they will follow their destructive ways. These are people that get deceived. Destructive ways, not just way. And the way of truth will be blaspheming. And it, it talks about how they'll exploit you. They'll use deceptive words, judgment, uh, destruction, darkness, um, you know, pulling people away from sound doctrine, truth, other words in scripture, we talk about itching ears that you'll walk away from sound doctrine, but these false teachers in particular, they're, they're not, you know, I had another conversation with a friend of mine and we, we both agreed that these false teachers, they're not going to be as obvious as we would wish they would be, you know, like, it's not going to be like, Oh, there they are. You can't, you can smell them from a mile away. There's probably some that we can all like sit on the couch and look at this person you know, preaching and we can clearly base off of just what they're saying. You know, it, okay, this is clearly a false teacher. Even saying that statement is very offensive. Just, I mean, even as I say it, because I don't say it enough, because who are we to claim somebody is a false teacher, Brandon? Like, how dare we even go there? It's right. It's all, that, that's all they did in the beginning of the early church. The good thing is they did it for us. So somebody's going to be preaching or, or identifying um, things around that a false teacher would be identifying with. You know, we're, they're just regurgitating it in our modern day. But, you know, it's they're 
they're sly. They use manipulative words, words that are, are, are ways that attract your flesh, you know, and, and they give into things that are sensual. I think it talks about sensual passions, passions almost that, that stir up. And all of these things are get you to slowly maneuver away without really even realizing it, you know, analogous to like if you've ever been out in the ocean, you know, you're swimming and you can kind of see where you put your towel and you, you kind of look the other way for a minute and start chatting. And then you look back and all of a sudden you realize you've just drifted you know, long ways from where you originally were. That's kind of how I see it. It's not going to be super obvious because these speakers are going to like pull on your heartstrings. And then if we, you, me, anyone else goes and says, just point blank, you're a wolf. What happens? No, I'm not a wolf. You're just disagreeing with what I see in scripture. You're not seeing, God told me this. Therefore you're disagreeing with God. Oh, you're going to play the God card now. That's good. That's cute. Now we're in a position where no one has any certitude and we're all kind of just walking around aimlessly, hoping that we're not being deceived. And then we try to play this. Well, as long as we all believe in Jesus, we're good. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is, I, is think I think we've heard in our past, the, those who use the, you know, the Holy Spirit is leading me card. Um, and, and that's the thing is that the, the wolves, they stay hidden in this paradigm of uh, subje- subjectivity. You know, as long as the church is just a mental construct, as long as it's just your verses and a few church fathers and maybe a few councils here, they can stay hidden, you know. But once you keep asking questions, once you keep kind of pushing it on them, you know, once you once, you know, you ask him, it's like, well, you're led by the spirit. But but this guy over here is led by the spirit and he's contradicting your views. It's kind of like it's very subjective. You might start seeing some of the fangs come out. You know, you keep asking questions. It's, it's eventually, you know, you might be called divisive. Uh, you might be called um, arrogant for claiming that, you know, you can know truth. I mean, I've been told that, you know, we cannot know for certain objective truth. Uh, one of the uh, verses that I, I guess would say maybe wolves would use is the one in scripture. Um, I, I'm not sure where it's at, maybe Corinthians, where it talks about we look through a glass half dimly. Um, I've heard this multiple times. And basically kind of it's used to basically say that, you know, we can't really know for sure, for sure that that this is actually Christian. We, we, we can just kind of do our best and and kind of hope that, you know, that this is the right way. And I, I almost it's almost analogous to it's like if you were looking at the ingredients to something to see if, you know, if, if, if the ingredients were, were healthy for you. And it'd be like you looking through these like, you know, thick glasses or whatever, and it was just super blurry and you couldn't tell if there what the ingredients were. And it's like, you know, you're thinking about when it comes to like you're protecting your kids. It's like when you're looking at ingredients and stuff or even stuff that could be toxic. It's like you're clearly looking. You're not going, well, yeah, it might be mm-hmm. bad for you. Yeah, you know, it's OK. Just put it near the apple juice. It's fine. It's bleach or whatever. We, you know, we don't want to be toxic. offensive. Don't I don't want to be offensive. offensive. Yeah, I don't want to be offensive to the bleach company. I mean, yeah. the bleach might be good for you. Drink you know? the acid. Yeah, Drink it could it. be. Yeah, it, it could be OK. It's like it's like it's like the wolf removes the objective clarity of the councils. He gets you. It's like whether he knows it or not, because he's bent on his pride, he's moving you away to no objective truth. And it's all about him. Again, it comes back to him. And that's where it's really sad, because in the end of the day, all of us, all Christians and repentant Christians, we want to love um, everyone around us. We, you know, we, we want to love our friends. We want to reach them for Christ. We want to, you know, obviously we want to love our kids. If you have kids, our spouse, we want to be the best we can, right? We want to, uh, our lives to draw others closer to Christ. 
and, and how do we do that though? It's not just this like, oh, I want this. Um, you know, maybe, maybe if I pray or get warm fuzzies or listen to this worship song. No, the church gives you objective teachings to lead you so you can be healed. Objective doctrines. There's a, a liturgy that's objective that we participate in. Um, this is meant to be for you to be healed. So you can do those things. So you don't keep struggling with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The church gives you the prescription for these. But the wolf, sadly, in his pride, he's not able to be healed because he's prideful. And, the, you know, the first step of uh, obviously is, you know, for us being healed is humility. We have to be, you know, understanding that it's not all about us. The yeah. church didn't start with us. It doesn't start when we show up in the world and we pull the scriptures together and reread them first and be like, oh, everybody's had it wrong. Now I'm the one who has it right. No, come on, man. It's like somebody, that's like a, need to get a slap across the face and be like, dude, it's not about you. Okay. This is about Christ. He's established his church. He's going to keep his church, you know, even after you're gone. So it's like, we all agree. We want to the best. We, and, and God has given us the best in his church, outside of you. He doesn't need you to fix it. And I think that's the whole thing is once we get away from the wolf who keeps pushing his private interpretation and we get to the church that Christ established and we see how he's kept it there the whole time through the bishops. Obviously, yes, there is heretical bishops. There's apostate bishops, but the faithful bishops he's kept, they're out there. They're there. You can go find them. But I'm saying like the wolves though, they continue to push things at you to get you to dissuade you from seeking objective truth. Yeah. So, yeah, if we did, I mean, if the same, you know, scenario with, with Arius, if you look back at the councils, um, even in Nicaea or Council of Ephesus or with like Nestorius, you know, if we put that same situation here in modern day, and we just played it out, it would, it would not go well. <laughs> Because basically one side of the church is saying, no, you, not only are you wrong, you can start your own church, but we're going to make it very emphatically clear that you are a heretic and anybody that listens to you is also essentially in grave danger. Repent and come back. It's not like they just pushed them out. I mean, they, they met together to, to hear this person out and then concluded. And that's why you have to believe that there is the infallibility of the Holy Spirit that, that guided them in these councils. If you, if you take that away and going back to, I think what you said earlier is that they were, whoever told you this, that they were just glorified Bible studies. Well, then you really, Arius could have been right. Nestorius could have been right. Cause he, he used scripture. We see that all the time. He did his best. He's probably authentic. I, I know he's a good communicator, uh, mm -hmm. not so much Nestorius, but looking at the history of that and playing it in modern times, We've just gone away from that, that it's too offensive to even declare that there's a, a false teacher or there's a wolf or there's a, a, I mean, just saying those words is fighting words, because especially when there's a church that is under the quote unquote Christian and umbrella, and that makes it hard. And this is what sucks. It really does, because it, you know, the word ecumenism comes up where we all have to just kind of find the lowest common denominator. And as long as we all believe in, in Jesus and, you know, the Holy Spirit, that's enough or the, the Trinity, I should say. But when you start to sit and, and you hear and, and you look at, okay, what if some pastor's actually preaching destructive heresies that can lead my soul astray, which is clear in scripture that this can happen? Would, would the question we posed before, and, and this is where you and I even started, is would we would someone disagree with you if you said, Hey, would you like to know objectively what a wolf looks like? I, I don't know of how many people would say no to that question. I think it's a pretty common one. Like, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I'd wonder how much of that was even considered, though, 
prior to even asking a question like that. Has have people considered that there really is true wolves out there? That this isn't just a, a an ahistorical thing, or even just something that we only read in the Bible, and that hey, they're gone now. This is back in Jesus's day, and he took care of them, and now that he's resurrected. We're all good. We can all just go back to just starting our own little mini churches. And if we disagree, we'll start another mini church. And soon we have sub churches and it looks like a, a glorified MLM scheme, you know, and it just doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, I, is that, do you think you get the sense of that? <clears throat> because I, I don't, I, I don't really hear this topic and it's not a fun topic, but it's like people talk about everything else that can harm you and they're not afraid to go viral with it if, if they truly believe or they can objectively prove especially when you see doctors and whatnot can show you this can harm you well the viral the video gets viral and gets a lot of views because people take that stuff seriously but for some reason uh, false teaching is not a viral centric video it, i would imagine it would get a lot of views right yeah yeah i mean if false teaching sadly we've kind of lost the urgency of of how it actually hurts us yeah. Right. I mean, and, and I think it has to do with the paradigm. You know, again, it's like it seems like nominalism has really saturated our culture uh, where, you know, everything kind of starts with me. You know, everything starts with, you know, my, you know, empirical sense data, you know, whatever I see, whatever I hear. Well, that's real to me. You know, I mean, you know, if you go up to somebody and you say, hey, I don't think this teaching is good for you. Uh, they could say, well, I'm you know, I'm glad that that church works for you. But this church works for me. It's a very just, you know, there's no objective uh, doctrine that's good for all. And there's no objective false teaching that's bad for all. We've mm -hmm. kind of lost that. But if we had that mindset again, uh, you know, coming back to an understanding of universals, that there is objective truth outside of me, there's objective false teachings uh, that um, we, since we all share a universal common human nature, uh, obviously that then we all have a soul. Uh, well, that false teaching can affect my soul for the negative, uh, and that sound doctrine will help my soul. Uh, so, yeah, I think we've 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 kind of lost sight of that urgency. So, the idea of a wolf is like, eh, you know, it sounds good to me. You know, he's preaching good stuff. It's fine. You know, I mean, my, we like this church. You know, the family. Well, you know, it's good good for families. Uh, this is what you hear, right? You know, good for families. Good worship. Uh, this is how it's judged, right? It's like the the pastor's a nice guy. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's the criteria. It's not, uh, well, he's holding to the ecumenical councils. He's holding to the undivided church. He's bound to their decisions. He cannot, uh, speak outside of their consensus. No, that's not the criteria. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's it's very shallow. What do you yeah. say about, about the, I've heard this question posed, like, how do you discover a false teacher? Well, are, are, is it in accordance with scripture? They'll, they'll use the Bereans, you know, how Bereans tested Paul on what he said, which, you know, it, obviously that's what we ought to do. We got to test spirits. We ought to look at the scripture. But I guess let's talk about how that, I hate to say it where, in a way where it's not enough. Because if, if let's say you're preaching, Brandon, and I, I get this sense like, uh, you might be saying some heretical stuff. And so I go off and ask somebody, how do I know? And their answer is, hey, just go to the Bible and compare the Bible, what he's saying. In, in, th in theory, that sounds good, right? But let's talk about how it really can't, it, it kind of falls flat. It becomes almost circular or circular in, in a way. Yeah. Well, let's just, let's just kind of role play. Let's just pretend I'm a wolf and uh, you come up to me and you're concerned and uh, of, of what I was preaching mm -hmm. and you come up to me with your Bible verses. And I say something like, well, Scott, the clear passages have to interpret the unclear passages. 
You probably have heard this out there. Uh, and what does that mean? The clear passages that agree with me and align with my position mm. must overtake the unclear passages or dominate them or kind of shadow them out. So still back on you. Yeah. It, yes. Pastor Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, if you don't like that answer, uh, you know, we have really good music and the Holy Spirit is really moving here. We can tell because there's people crying at my sermons and uh, there's life change. And so that's how we know that what I'm preaching is true. This is something else you'll hear as well. It will go to the subjective realm. And the thing is, is that you can go to a U2 concert and I can go and feel a lot of emotions and I can even cry because I got so stirred up by Bono's wonderful, sweet voice. <laughs> and uh, who's the guy, the guitarist, he's called Edge. Is that what his name yeah, is? Okay, yeah. He was so good playing that melodic tone. I just started crying and I just, I felt like that that concert, it just changed my life. It's like, so in the end of the day, they, they, they kind of put up these smoke screens of like, oh yeah, well, look, there's life change in what I'm doing. Oh, look, I have scriptures to back up what I'm doing. And in the end of the day, though, they're not under a bishop. There's one, there's one tell. They're not under a bishop. They're not accountable to the count, to the ecumenical councils. They're not bound to them. They will tell you that, oh yeah, they got some stuff right, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'll believe the Trinity and stuff, but other things, you know, they, they got wrong here or there. It's like they discredit their authority, right? So they pick and choose, you know, which anybody can do that at that point, yeah. right? I mean, you can, you can just believe whatever, just say, oh, I'll cut and paste this, cut and paste that, take this church father, take, take that church father, a lot, yeah, of them, I mean, a lot of them will, will, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, like the scriptures will say, they, they will be uh, revealed in various ways. Maybe not in this lifetime. Ultimately, talks about later in Peter about the judgment, how even God talks about the angels were kicked out of heaven for, you know, for what they've done. So how much more you know, greater would this happen with these people who are, pre are preaching these destructive heresies? Um, you know, they use the example of Sodom and Gomorrah, et cetera. But, you know, the, the idea of confronting or even challenging is is like not it's almost like if you want to know what is a sign that this could be potentially a false teacher one clear sign is as soon as you question they say stop or they or they kind of make yep. you feel guilty for even doing it that is really really messed up and i would say i, I tell my kids all the time when we drive by there's a big temple the mormon temple and i talk about I use that example it's like this is how you identify a cult is is they tell you not to question anything they just say, accept it. You know, we, we know what we're doing and you just kind of submit to that. That is by definition, a cult. And ultimately they have, these are false teachers. These are wolves. Uh, I think Brandon, we do, we're this will be a two part series. We do want to talk about how we don't want that pastor. We, we want these pastors to repent. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. It's not like let's have a mass exodus and then watch this person like destroy himself. Cause you know, there are times where uh, these pastors were, are, may not be realizing they're under or being, you know, teaching these types of, of heretical, ahistorical views of the church. Uh, and so hopefully if any of them hear this, you know, there, there is, there's hope. You can certainly move in, in, into a direction in which you can put yourself under sound doctrine. And if I would think it'd be more comforting because, you know, I, I did hear a pastor once talk about how when they discover they were a former evangelical pastor, they realized the weight was lifted off because the entire time they were a pastor, they were trying to articulate and to interpret the scriptures the best to their abilities on what they thought was true. And it was just exhausting because it was always something that had to continue to, to be trendy and to you know come up with an even newer interpretation of the last year's interpretation of that scripture that they preached. And it, it becomes just kind of a roller coaster and of exhaustion. 
When in reality, you could look back at the church and say, hey, they had established what was sound, what was false. And we can look and find comfort in that. And knowing that Christ gave us this church where we can look at it clearly, not through a fog lens, but we can actually have hope and comfort that we, we will subject ourselves to sound doctrine. I say that again, sound, sound doctrine, not false doctrine. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 we will want to talk a little bit more about that on the next show, too, for sure, around mm-hmm. maybe some uh, more we can get nuanced with this on, okay, what does an objective false teacher look like? I think that'd be helpful. Uh, you know, I want to leave my hook. I do want to read a, an interesting quote, and then I'll let you um, get your take on this. But yeah, it's about a guy named Peter uh, Gilquist. Um, he says, regarding false teachers, he says, false teachers who are unholy and communicate heresy, they are arrogant, sensual, and greedy. He deals with them much, and this is Peter, in the same way he does with Jude. But they deny accountability, that's huge, in their lives, isolating themselves from apostolic doctrine concerning Christ. And they hold their own, quote, private interpretation, misconstructing doctrines about the second coming and the ultimate authority of Christ, etc. But as deceivers, they teach as though they possess true apostolicity. That is like spot on. And what's your oh, thought yeah. for that? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They're going to come across as they're, they are authorities, but they haven't been given authority. And I think that's that's the biggest key there but if you know if somebody's just going to the church and and you know they're they're just you know following along and they've bought into that you know that that he has authority because he's a good speaker oh he preaches the bible so well but sadly unbeknownst to them is that some of the heresies that that he's preaching uh is hurting them and so i think that's what's sad uh you know we talk about questions i think the questions you know, like, like, I agree with you. There's pastors who really want to do the right thing. They really sincerely want to, uh, you know, follow our Lord Jesus Christ. They want to make sure that they're feeding the flock and they're, they're teaching soundly. And a lot of them, I believe, are just more material heretics. Um, material heretic means just that you, you, you preach heresy kind of out of ignorance. You don't know, yeah. like you've been brought up in, in so-and-so denomination and that's what you were told. And, and, you know, yes, the Lord, did get a hold of you and and you 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 are you know on fire and you you want to preach the, the scriptures but sadly though um you were kind of ill-informed essentially and you're you're kind of you know in this bubble essentially of heresy that you know you're you're preaching you were told that this is the church when you know the church has already been established right you, you became a pastor and essentially a sect and but once you realize that once you're like oh wow there's 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 been a church this whole time and it's not about so and so who started it i'm you know he didn't restore it now i can you finally be in the true church no no it's it, it, it once they realize that right they can move out of that and they can like you said they can have the assurance then that what they're giving their flock is the true stuff, right? It's the sound yeah. doctrine. It's it's going to, to, to help their flock be healthy. Uh, but the questions are vital. And if you're not asking questions, uh, definitely keep asking them. And yes, it, it, I would say if somebody is bent on their private interpretation, uh, your questions will probably get, eventually you'll get escorted to the door. Uh, they'll, they will probably, you know, push you, you know, of, of the different things we've said today about, you know, they'll, they'll bring up their scriptures. Oh, but th- our, our, our uh, doctrines are clear in scripture. See, see, these ones should interpret the unclear ones or, um, yeah, yeah, we use logic, uh, but it will only be used to support their position. See, if you use logic against their position, They'll call it vain philosophy. 
See, see, it's like there's all these crafty ways. And if they are actually wanting to know the truth, some of them may be like, wow, I never thought about that before. And they might start going on a journey with you. But some of them who are bent on their pride, you know, they will reveal themselves as wolves. Yeah, I I think like you said, more questions. What does it say? Twist the scripture to their own destruction. I mean, pride pride is going to be the root of all of this. And, and, you know, we'll talk about this in the next episode, but we'll emphasize on what would a wolf not want you to do? And I think, you know, working at it almost like as a reverse engineering approach, because sometimes I I hear a lot of, you know, I've listened to some other episodes on this topic and, and did some reading. And it is about like, what do they want you to do? You know, they want you to become more in love with the world. And these are all things that are important. But I think we need to look at it as what would a wolf not want you to do? Because there's a bigger emphasis when someone says, Hey, don't do that. Don't go there. Well, why are you telling me not to go there? Is there something that you don't want me to see? Is there something that if I do see, it's actually going to help me and make me better. And so they're going to, they're going to want you to continue to, to direct you away from soundness and into this, this murky uncertainty to the point where you have to kind of accept, okay, well, it, 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 it looks okay. I'm good. That's fine. Or kind of what you said with the analogy of the, the, the ingredients, like I can't read it. No one else is going to tell me what's on the label. So, uh, it, it, it's cold and it smells. Okay. Okay. It's fine. All right, kids drink up, you know, drink up the bleach. It's going to be great. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's, uh, it's, it, we're going to get into that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure people that can hear us, there's a bit of a passion in our voices. And it, I think it's just because it's just becoming such a, a watered down, let's not really talk about it. We know it's there in the Bible, but let's go find other parts of the Bible we want to talk about. And God forbid you ever bring up anything around the objective certitude of how to determine if, you know, said person is a false teacher. Cause that's way too offensive. Don't use the word heresy. Don't use the word false doctrine. Those things are just, they're negative. They're icky. They're bad. Let's get them out of our church. Let's go back to having fun yeah. and playing video games. You know? and, and, and I, <laughs> I think know. one of the saddest parts about it is when you're under you know, I guess you'd say a wolf and they're adamant about their interpretation, their private interpretation and the heresies that they're spewing out. Uh, it, it's hurt, you know, it, it just continues to hurt people. And then when those people forsake the faith, not one time Gosh, is it hurts. questioned that it was the doctrines that that pastor was preaching. It's just blamed on the person. And I think that's one of the saddest things we hear about people who leave the church and because of the misrepresentation of who God was and because of the false teachings and the, the essentials that were missing, you know, possibly the sacraments, those people, they leave and, and, and the whole congregation, basically, it can just demonize them and not think once that it was the false teachings from the pulpit. And I think that's the problem right there. There's, this is such a, like I say, an epidemic or what do you say, pandemic of, of how many <laughs> churches are, are, this is the paradigm they're in. And the people are oblivious that the false teachings are hurting their children. They're hurting their spouse. But it's like, I can't say anything. But it's like, no, we need to say things. We need to ask good questions because the questions are eventually going to start revealing things that are off, just like in any cult. So I think it's very important that, you know, that those of you listening just continue to ask questions. Ask questions what we tell you. You know, if we say yeah. something that's weird, send us and say, hey, I'm, I'm questioning what you said. I'm fine. Do it. Because w- guess what? We don't want you to go to the church in our heads. We're pointing you to the church outside of us. Okay. They're, they're the ones 
who God is leading, who has led through the you know the ecumenical councils. Go ahead and read the canons. Well, Drake, go look at the canons of the ecumenical councils. You know, I mean, they they're the ones who put the scriptures together. They're the ones who interpreted the scriptures. Uh, you know, they're the ones who have authority to interpret the scriptures. Yeah. You know, I don't get to go and say, oh, look, everybody, this is my interpretation. Everybody should follow me now. No, no. No, I wouldn't follow me. <laughs> if I said that, no, yeah, no, don't no, listen to me. I follow you either. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, you know, this is good. And I'm excited for the next episode. And hopefully this kind of kickoff pilot that we're kind of using this for. Well, I mean, we brought up questions that I'm sure our, our listeners would relate and, and have probably have experienced a lot of that. Um, appreciate the relatability. If, if you want to reach out to us, I mean, we're, we're more than happy to respond. We're, we're young, not like young in age, but young as a podcast. And so yeah. uh, we have plenty of time to respond back and forth uh, and, and, and whether it's through Discord or, or on socials and, and, and be like. But I think the whole point and what we're addressing is there's a real God, there's a real Trinity, there's an objective way to identify that real Trinity, just as much as there's a way to identify a false teacher who can destroy you, your spouse, your family, whomever, your friends. They are there to completely annihilate you, just like a wolf will do, and can destroy a sheep, if, if we're just looking at that imagery. And so we take it serious, and and as you ought to as well. So those who are questioning, that's a good thing. Don't ever feel ashamed. If anybody makes you feel bad, I'd say it again. You're starting to identify a cult because um, you should not feel bad. You should be able to sit down, have a conversation, and know there's a, a an objective way to know that there's a right way, and not just a agree to disagree way. Because that that approach isn't going to work. We've like Brandon said, seen too many people walk away from the faith. And no one's really questioning, hey, what were they listening to? Who was teaching them or preaching at them? It's more of just, oh, they just made bad decisions. Now I get it that there is a responsibility on them. It's not like they're held not accountable because, you know, we have the will. We have free will. There's synergy. There's not just like we're robots. Um, so uh, good chat. I think this is really, really awesome. Um, you know, people, pastors, we, we want nothing but the best in terms of a repentant heart. And I think the next episode it will reveal, you know, what wills don't want you to do. And um, the things that we say they don't want you to do, these are the most beneficial remedies for the Christian um, in the Christian paradigm and, and as well as our walk. These are things that are going to heal us and continue to keep us grounded and humble to pursue repentance and in Christ and, and to walk with him and they also. So um, thank yeah. you again. Any closing remarks? No, I just think, uh, you know, Christ has established his bishops as the you know, under shepherds uh, to, you know, fight off the wolves. So, you know, we want to be protected. We want to put ourselves under bishops in apostolic succession. So, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. All right. Well, until next time. Thanks, y'all. Thank you.